Hello everyone and welcome to episode 387 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. I'm Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, and we have the full crew here this week. Kicking things off with the owner of MTG Goldfish, Richard. How's it going this fine Monday, Richard? Doing well. Another spoiler season down. This was a quick one. This was it was only like a week, just over a week for Double Masters, and uh, the set is huge and has a ton of cards. And uh, I'm getting ahead of myself. That's gonna be one of our topics today. Now that we get the full set of Double Masters, before we get into all that, we got another co-host in Krim. Krim, how are you today? Uh, pretty excited. Uh, we got to finally take a look at everything Double Masters. So now I get to figure out which sweet new artwork I'm looking for and all this other stuff. Yeah, so that's, I mean, one of our big topics. We're going to be talking Double Masters, the full sets out, the new cards that we got, kind of a a little bit of an overview of the set now that we can see what's going on with it, everything that's in there. We also got a Alchemy cards coming out from Alchemy Horizons that we wanted to mention briefly. Uh, there's also been a lot of talk about Commander Legends Baldur's Gate. Now that we've seen the whole set on that and the whole set of Double Masters, it's been a topic of conversation again. So we wanted to talk about that a little bit. We got some brawl news of all things. And then an interesting question about what it would take for a pure life game card to actually see playing constructed. And then, of course, answering your fish mail question. So that's the overview for today. Before we get into it, a reminder that our show today is brought to you by Card Conduit, and we've been telling you about Card Conduit, a great way to sell your magic collection, and their curated shipment service that lets you sell your valuable cards with a reduced service fee for a while now. As long as your cards have a retail value of $2 or more, you can send in as many as you want and still just pay a 5% service fee. And like with all of Card Conduit services, you don't got to sort your cards, you don't got to grade your cards, you get to skip all those hassles and just safely package everything up and ship it out, and you'll even get a detailed report with the results. So you can check out Card Conduit's curated shipment option as a way to buy list cards with fast processing, optimized prices, and the low, low service fee of just 5%. And you can even get another 10% off by heading over to cardconduit.com slash mtggoldfish. Card Conduit, they're the easiest way to sell your magic cards. So thank you to Card Conduit for supporting the show. And let's talk some magic and let's kick things off with the big news, which is Double Masters. We got the full set on Friday. And I do want to talk a bit about from a meta perspective, this set, is it good? Is it bad? The supply. But before we get into that, we should probably cover some of the big cards that we got in the last week. Because when we uh, podcasted last, I think we only had like half the set. So there's a lot of new stuff since, uh, since last time. So Richard, we can't go over every card, but what are some of the big hitters that have come out since we last had a podcast? All right. Uh, the big hitters, Seasoned Pyromancer. Uh, Emrakul, the Aeon's Torn, Mana Drain, Concordant Crossroads, Kalia of the Vast, Aurelia, uh, Food Chain, Warrior's Oath, random uh, Portal 3 Kingdoms card worth way too much, uh, Monastery Mentor, uh, and on the rare side, we have Smothering Tithe, uh, City of Brass, Gravecrawler, Privileged Position, my favorite Bloodforged Battle Axe, uh, Ether Vial, <laughs> Uh, Force of Negation, a big one. Uh, Dark Steel Plate, somehow ten dollars. Uh, Forbidden Orchard, and I think Conqueror's Flail. Some random Commander cards here. Child of Alara, uh, but yeah, a, a bunch of cards over ten dollars. Uh, some of the Mythics are actually pretty pricey, like Warrior's Oath, uh, and then of course the staples like Force of Negation. Um, last time we we were talking about where are all the modern cards and legacy cards, and uh, Wizards decided to just slam them all at least on the top end, at the at the back end of previous season, because a lot of these 
expensive cards are seen in uh, the Eternal formats. So we still didn't get a ton of modern stuff, but it did improve. Like from where we were last cast to where we are now, we got the Force of Negation, which is that was very high yep. on my list, especially for non-land cards. So that was that was a really big one. Emrakul, I guess, is kind of by definition an Eternal card because it's banned in Commander. And then there's some other like kind of lower end stuff. So I still am not coming away from Double Mass feeling like it did as much as I was hoping for modern but week two of spoiler season or the second half of spoiler season definitely did more than the first half of spoiler season did so I don't think this solves all modern problems but it did improve from where we were a week ago I would say it definitely got a lot better yeah uh it, it leaned more towards the 60 card side but uh I I, I think the force of negation was pretty big I, I was surprised to see that I was kind of hoping that they would, and they actually followed through with it, so I was pretty pumped on that. Um, the Eldrazi are much needed. I think they're just needed across all formats. So that that's nice to see. And, I mean, other than that, though, like, there's only a few cards, right? Like, I think there's, like, maybe three cards that are played in, like, Modern Legacy so far that I can think of. Wait, that are three cards that, that are, are in the set? That, or oh, No, 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 not in the whole set, but, like, that got announced in the second week that are actually oh. big-ticket items. Yeah, there are three, yeah, three or four that are that actually like Season of Pyromancer, Force of yeah. Negation, uh, Emrakul, and I feel like I'm probably missing Either something. Vile. Uh, Either Vile, yeah, yeah, is, that's another, another there big one. It is. Mentor. Yeah. <laughs> Ish. <laughs> For all those vintage players out there, <laughs> we got you. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so since, since last week, we actually went through the spreadsheet where we we're keeping the EV. And this is a little subjective because it was me and Nia took doing it. But we went through and actually uh, put each card, ranked it based on what format it's primarily played in. And you could uh, have a card in more than one format, like a Cavern of Souls, for example. I would consider an Eternal staple and Modern and Legacy, but also a Commander staple. Uh, so that would show up under both. But if you actually look at the numbers, and this includes all the rares or mythics, so it's not just the high-end stuff or whatever. But the breakdown was 112 Commander cards. 34 modern cards, uh, 14 pioneer, 12 legacy, four vintage. So certainly skewed heavily towards commander. Although, I mean, 34 is not a horrible number for modern. So there is certainly modern support there. And then the other formats, lesser support, but they're also less, uh, not played as heavily. Like you don't need as much legacy and vintage support because not that many people play those formats in paper anymore. So. I, I can't come away from it feeling completely disappointed, but compared to some old master sets that were kind of tilted heavily towards modern staples with the goifs and the dark confidants, I still think we need more. Even if this set, I, I think this set's great for what it is and the value's absurd, but we certainly do need a continuing stream of modern reprints because this didn't hit every single thing or even close to it that we could use to bring prices down in the format. So... What do you guys think of the set overall, now that we've seen it? The value is obviously really good. Last time we updated the EV, uh, it was over $400. Uh, a lot of variance in there. The the median prices are a lot lower than the average prices. So keep that in mind if you do crack a box. But what do you think? Are you happy with this master set? Like, where do you rank it on a scale of 1 to 10? Uh, I'm thinking... I feel like I, I keep looking it over and it feels really cool, like mostly just because the alternate art stuff, like the, the borders and stuff like that were, were very nice. So I actually do like it for that. Uh, and primarily just that the reprints, I think were like, okay. Uh, this, like there's, 
some stuff that I, I guess just needed to be reprinted because of like example, like, yeah, like Warrior's Oath, right? But like a- outside of that, a-, a lot of this stuff is just decent on reprints, just really like the artwork. So I, I don't know, maybe like a seven, maybe like an eight. I enjoyed it. I, I would say I enjoyed it. The rare, like the rare slots are kind of like wishy washy and kind of like meh for me, but I do like the, the border treatment. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I, I think the Eevee is super inflated due to things like Warrior's Oath, right? Like when when they dropped this, like what was Warrior's Oath? Like four hundred dollars uh, before yeah, five hundred before this one. Like it's it's like unplayable, right? It's like they take an extra turn and then like you lose after, which is not a very popular card. So that will go down significantly. Um, and being like so heavily skewed, like I don't know, the variance is so high that like why would you ever buy a box, right? So I don't know. This this is okay, right? Like it, it'll just drive down the price of singles as you expect it, and hopefully, it will do something. But like whenever this happens, like just the rest of the cards will increase in price. So the card's not reprinted here. So I don't know that it does anything. And really, to me, this is like get more dock sides into the system, maybe some smothering ties, <laughs> and like that's it, right? Maybe like Phyrexian Altar, like get some commander staples in the system, and. You're really hoping for a modern Horizons or a modern Masters or something to fix modern prices because this really doesn't put a dent in it. And like, you know, who is waiting for that Warrior's Oath reprint? Uh, same with Imperial Seal, another one of those like super old, super expensive cards that's not as common. So I don't know. It's like super high variance, which I think all Master sets are, right? So I wouldn't try to crack yeah. a box, but if you need some singles, I guess it's Time to pick up those Bloodforged battle axes, right? Like, <laughs> I, I did not realize that was like a $20, almost $20 card. I had no idea that it was that set. expensive. There's but. so many of us battle axe players. <laughs> <laughs> apparently, apparently there are. Yeah, I mean, you have a good point about the Portal 3 Kingdom stuff. Like, those are cards that are expensive based on their scarcity and low supply rather than their high demand. Not that they're unplayable. They're not as bad as some Portal 3 Kingdoms cards that you look at when you're like, wow, this card is like actively bad. Why would anyone ever uh, ever play it? But it's still hundreds of dollars. These are some of the better ones. And I think like Obekadex will probably play Warrior's Oath now that it's cheaper. Imperial Seal, I think CDH decks at least will probably play it. I don't know if you really need it in more casual games because you got a lot of options. So even at $250, like, is it really worth it to spend that for your like mid-powered commander deck? Probably not when you could just play a diabolic tutor for 25 cents or whatever but i think overall the set's solid my disappointment is still uh, not enough for modern i hope wizards has a plan for fixing that a, a modern focus set a modern horizons that's more reprints than new cards maybe something like that could be really really helpful and we also need oh, we just need lands it's even happening in pioneer now we talked about it a little bit last week but i've noticed building like pioneer budget decks it's getting harder and harder to build budget decks because the fast lands and the shock lands those are all creeping up in price so i hope wizards has a plan to handle that stuff in the future but as far as just putting a bunch of commander staples out there and dropping prices on uh, the stuff that we did get caverns and Eldrazi's and mana vaults. Uh, I think that's, it's a good set. I would definitely give it a, a seven, probably a seven out of 10. The biggest problem I have with the set at this point outside of modern is just 
the supply is basically non-existent. Like a week ago when we podcast, you could pick up boxes of this very easily for about $250. Like they were on Amazon, uh, all the different sites. Now they're sold out from a lot of places. They're sold out on Amazon. You literally can't get a draft booster box from Amazon. And prices from the places where you can get it have skyrocketed. If you go to like TCG Player, the cheapest box you can get on TCG Player now is $379. Uh, so prices have just, they've went up a ton in the past week. And if you talk to, uh, vendors, you talk to people who are kind of like in the know at what the supply is, a lot of them have been talking about how they haven't gotten as much as they were expecting. Like the, the supply is just really, really limited. So it's going to be interesting to see if this fixes itself or if this is just going to be a super low supply set. Traditionally, there's like one print run of master sets and that's it. And we've dealt with this. I don't know if you remember like original modern masters or modern masters 2015, those ones sold out and box prices skyrocketed. And it was essentially impossible in some cases to get a box, even if you were willing to pay any amount of money, like uh, just the stores didn't have them. They were all sold out instantly. And it feels like that might be happening again with Double Masters 2022, where Wizards maybe just way undershot on the amount of this they needed to print, either intentionally or accidentally. So what do you think about that aspect of it? Like uh, how to like if we need this set to drop prices, we need the supply of it to be high. Like if there's not enough boxes to go around, that's less singles in the market. And that's less supply, which means prices aren't going to come down as much. So do you think considering these supply constraints, is this even going to do what we needed to do as far as singles or prices not going to drop as much as we were hoping because there's just not enough to go around? I think I think that the prices will drop only temporarily as every master set does. Uh, Like the, the modern and I guess commander all go on sale every time there's a master's reprint or anything like that. Uh, and, and the last batch of things was also low in supply, which they, they do need to, like, stop undershooting, like, how, how much, like, product should be made because every master set, every version of it or whatever year, it's always just super sold out. And, like, but I, I, I still think that it reduces the prices of some singles, a, a good amount of singles, actually, but temporarily. Yeah, I, I think this is on purpose by Watsy, like... This is the create FOMO so that you buy the next master product, right? Like kind of like Secret Lair. If you make a limited edition, you don't pre-order immediately. It gets sold out and then, you know, it looks good for them and it keeps prices high. So I actually think this is somewhat intentional, but like I wonder how far this can sustain. Like magic prices keep going up, but like has anyone looked at the rest of the world like with you know, the stock market and macroeconomics and everything, everything is like coming back down from COVID inflation, but I don't see it happening in magic cards, which to me tells me the bubble is coming, right? Like eventually this is going to pop and, you know, your, your polluted Delta shouldn't keep going up in price, right? So something's got to give. And I, I don't believe like this set has like oversold like 2X what Wizards expected. I think Wizards is intentionally just holding back supply um just to create scarcity so i don't know like this doesn't seem sustainable does this seem sustainable to you guys like (laughs) i mean i i definitely have concerns about non-magic economy stuff and how that could end up hurting the magic market like 
with all the inflation and so forth that's going on, it seems like at some point, if the cost of necessities keeps going up and it costs more to whatever, like fuel your car, heat your house, or get your groceries so you can eat, if that stuff keeps getting more expensive faster than people's wages are increasing, like, isn't that going to cut into people's magic budget by default? Like, as much as we love magic and as great of a game it is, it's not food. It's not clothing. It's not going to transport you to your job. So I assume at some point there's going to have to be choices that are made. And uh, magic might be one of the things that people just don't have the money to spend on it if uh, if the economic trends keep going that direction. So I definitely have those concerns as well. Um yeah, I don't know. And plus, if you go back to, on the other hand, like, if you go back to the 90s, you always think about, like, comic books and how that had its big, like, bubbling crash or sports cards. But a lot of those issues had to do with oversupply. Like, from what I understand about comic books or sports cards, the issue was they just started printing ridiculous amounts of them. And that's what, uh, the supply got too high and that caused the market to crash and price, prices to crash. If anything, Wizard seems to be going the opposite direction where arguably they're not printing enough of these cards and the supply is not high enough. So maybe, uh, maybe they know what they're doing. Maybe Wizards has it figured out and releasing little bits of cards is the way to go, but it certainly makes the game less accessible. Like this isn't going to do as much for prices as I was hoping it was if boxes are as limited as they appear to be because there's just not that much of it. It's a giant game of sunk cost fallacy. The magic players only buy more cards because they've spent so much money and they like refuse to give up their hobby. <laughs> like, I've already spent like $5,000. I might as well just buy another booster box, right? And like in, in part, it's true, right? Like whenever fetch lands are reprinted or something, you're like, oh, I need to buy these staples even though I have no intent in playing with them. Like at some point in the future, I will need them and they will cost more. So I need to load up, right? Like, oh, you know, Smothering Tithe is coming back, right? Like I need to buy it even if I don't have a white deck because if I don't buy it, the price will increase. And then when I need it, it'll be like $100. And Magic players kind of just like tack on the staples and have this giant binder of staples. But like how many decks do you actually have? And how can you keep... <laughs> <laughs> like, like, what do you do with all these cards yeah. you keep buying, right? Your deck I, is still 100 <laughs> cards, right? So, like, you got to just start hoarding them up, right? I mean, the sad thing is that is the right way to do it, financially speaking. Like, when a Master Set comes out, the smartest thing to do is get your Smothering Tithe when it drops to $20. Because you know that uh, traditionally it's going to spike back up to $40 or whatever. But you're right, that does end up getting, like, super expensive. And I was laughing because I, I have that same experience. I have so many... I have so many cards that are left over from buying collections or just cracking random boxes for fun, but I have very few decks. Like, I don't know what these <laughs> cards are actually doing for me. They're cluttering up my house. They're worth thousands of dollars, but I don't get any real benefit or enjoyment out of most of them because they're just like in a closet or piled somewhere. So, yeah, that That's, is that, that is the thing worst. That he plays no other magic, but just cracks packs for fun. Though. <laughs> <laughs> he has no use for any of his cards. <laughs> Hey, that's, I built, that's the I built a couple part. commander decks. I built oh. a couple commander decks. Oh my god, decks. you Come only have like two. <laughs> yeah, like and that, most of those were given funny. to me by people oh, that just sent me the entire god. deck. <laughs> He's a collector. Uh, what I, collectors do. They just hoard. <laughs> yeah. like, I just it, like it, cracking boxes. <laughs> it's, a, it's kind of addicting, sadly. 
I also noticed that no one ever sells any of the cards either. They're yeah, like, oh, they, this is worth X amount of money. It's like, it, that's great. Like, oh, I, I got like double the value of my box. I feel so good. And then they don't sell it. And they just wait yeah, they until can. it's like worth like a quarter of their box, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they just buy a new one. Like who actually sells back their cards? No one ever does. That, that's the main thing. It's just like funny to see. It's, like, it, it's going to be a race to the bottom for Warrior's Oath, right? Like when you open Warrior's Oath and you're like, oh, okay, currently it's $100. I can like sell it. But then, like, the next person undercuts to 80, to 60, to 40, to 20. You're like, I need to unload this quick because, yeah, it's just not that played. So it's a it's a weird choice. Oh. I wonder why Wizards included. Like, do we still oh. have a lot of these I super mean, expensive cards that aren't, like, commonly played? So I think I know why they included it because it makes the, it makes the EV look great. Like, <laughs> if people are tracking the box EV and stuff, you can put these cards in there and the numbers are huge. Are there still a lot of cards that like that? There's still quite a bit. If you just look at uh, over at mtgoldfish.com, shameless plug, if you go to the Portals 3 Kingdom page, there's a lot of cards that are over $200. Most of them I have never heard of before. Uh, I have no idea what they do, but they're like random horsemanship cards and so forth, but they're like $400, $350. So I think Wizards can do this quite a few more times. Uh, Imperial Seal was the most expensive card in the side. It was like $1,800 for the Portal Three Kingdoms version, but like Zodiac Dragon is $700. Uh, Burning of Zingy, the uh, blow up some lands and four damage to everything. Uh, that's in there. Ravages of War, another Armageddon's $500. So I would not be surprised surprised if wizards kept putting these portal three kingdoms cards in sets for quite a while now as a way to just make the ev look good and it'll be interesting to see what happened with prices my initial thought was the prices on both warriors oath and imperial seal are just going to crash like to 50 bucks or less even but now i'm not so sure like imperial seal it dropped down to like 100 or 150 at one point and now you can't find them for under 250 uh, on any of the sites warriors Oath, it is at 100 uh you can find it pretty easily for 100 which is a lot less than it was but i was thinking that might be like a 20 25 dollar card so i'm actually getting a little nervous that prices aren't going to sink as much as we were hoping they were just because the supply is going to be a lot less than we were hoping it were so i still think the long-term trajectory is definitely down a What's the what's the tutor creature? Um, the red one, Imperial, Imperial Recruiter. Recruiter? Yeah. yeah, Imperial Recruiter is like that's super cheap now, right? And that yeah. was a card that was hundreds and hundreds of dollars because it was a a Portal Three Kingdoms that card. card but is I actually think played. Copy. It's like the best thing and in yeah. what it does. <laughs> like it's also been reprinted though a lot, right? Or yeah. I guess a decent amount. Yeah, it was in Modern Horizons, which is a pretty high supply reprinting, but you can get copies of that for like six bucks now. And that was one of the portal cards that was like $500 not that long ago. So I think eventually we're going to have the same thing with Imperial Seal and Warrior's Oath. But I don't know if just this reprinting will do it or if it's going to take another reprinting to really get the prices down. Can you imagine being the person that bought Imperial Seal for like $1,800 for your commander deck. And then one week later, you're like, oh, it's reprinted. Oh, it's 200 <laughs> So, So what is your advice to the average magic player how should they interact with this set you're someone who's trying to play modern or commander or whatever there's this expensive product with all these cool cards how do you benefit the most from this as an average player buy singles uh, like every other set yeah buy singles this is not even expensive you should always just buy singles this set i think especially egregious because you can't use like 80 percent of the cards you open right either it's a legendary card 
so you need to build a new deck, or it's like a three-color card, so you can't just slam it in any of your existing commander decks. Or it's like a modern card, and you don't play modern, or vice versa. You play modern, you open a commander card. So like the ability to use like random cards in your pack, I think, is exceptionally low. So I think you let the stores crack the boxes, and then you go buy singles. Yeah, yeah fully I, agree I, with that. I agree. I did end up getting one box. I know it was unwise. <laughs> I agree, but, but I but, did the exact opposite. <laughs> uh, I know. Do as I say, not as I do, I think is the lesson here. I know it's not a smart decision, but uh, someone someone gave me a decent-ish price at $300. And I was like, all right, I'll, I'll crack it on stream. I, that's the thing. I always have the justification of, like, content. <laughs> I'll open it on stream. I'm not just a degenerate idiotic gambler. This is for content. Oh, <laughs> uh, All right. So piggybacking on this double masters thing, I got to ask you a little bit about Commander Legends Baldur's Gate, because I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but just in the last week or so, there's been a lot of bad press about Commander Legends 2. A lot of videos I've seen on YouTube with people talking about how bad this set is. And one of the things that has been brought up that I thought was kind of interesting is people feeling a little bit almost bait and switched. That's probably not exactly the right word, but people expecting Commander Legends to have some of the reprints that showed up in Double Masters 2022 based on the first Commander Legends, having Vampiric Tutors and Scroll Racks and Mana Drains. So people were kind of like hyped for that coming in Commander Legends Baldur's Gate, and then it didn't happen. And then like a week later, we get all those cards in a much more expensive set, Double Masters 2022. So what do you think of Commander Legends Baldur's Gate through the lens of now seeing what's in Double Masters? Like, are people right to be calling it a failure, one of the worst uh, releases ever, all this stuff, or or are those people off base? Like, where, where are you at with Commander Legends Baldur's Gate? Baldur's Gate was a fine release of, like, new D&D cards, but not necessarily, like, a Commander Legends title. I think that's the main thing, right? Because we when it was initially getting spoiled... Uh, we were kind of talking about how not a lot of power was reprinted in there, right? Not a lot of things were needed that were reprinted in there. And when you have something like Commander Legends where you assume there'd be tons of new cards and like solid reprints, it didn't really do much on the reprint department. I, I didn't, I, I think it actually, were there any good reprints? Let me think here. <sighs> I know there were a few like the, the, the Battle Bond lands, but like, Outside of that, were there any, like, key reprints that we needed? Battlebound lands in Reflecting Pool, really, but there was, unless I'm forgetting something, and I don't think I am, there was no, like, high-end mana drains or scroll racks, anything of that level. It was really the lands and then, like, Bramble Sovereign, a few things that were like, oh, this was a Blade of Elves, oh, it's like a $20 commander card that hasn't been reprinted in a while, but nothing that was like, oh my god, there's a $100 mana crypt or whatever. Yeah, like, the, that's kind of weird, because that's where you'd assume a good amount of the actual, like, Double Master stuff would be reprinted, right? Like, I, I, I was assuming that you'd get a lot more of the Double ma- like, things you're seeing in Double Masters in Commander Legends. So, so yeah, simple things like an Imperial Seal, or maybe, like, a Mana Drain, and, and things like that, or, or especially Smothering Tithe. Like, there's definitely a way you could work Smothering Tithe and Dockside into the D&D world. Now, I know you have to fit it within the, like, you know, the, the spaces that they have, like, flavor-wise. So, uh, like, a few of these actually just flavor-wise make sense in D&D. So, I don't know. I I think that's probably why. 
this felt like the real Commander Legends release, even though it didn't have new cards. Yeah, like you can you can predict it. It's it's a bit of a branding fail, like Krim said, right? Like you hear Commander Legends, you think cards for commanders, and then you would think, oh, high end reprints. But in reality, Wizards is like this is a new Commander set with new cards. Only the new cards are required to sell the set, right? And they only put reprints in dedicated reprint sets that are high end. So you know why waste your dock side and smothering tithe? when people are going to buy for whatever the new commander is in, in Baldur's Gate. So, like, it, it's always happened like this as well. Like, anytime there's new cards, they don't go heavy on the reprints, right? Uh, but people are just exceptionally salty because the flagship cards of commander, like Dockside, uh, Phyrexian Altar, Smothering Tithe, like, did not show up in the commander set. And rightfully so, I think. So I think it's a problem of branding. Like, they should have just called it something else. Uh, But, like, Wizards is not going to waste all their expensive reprints in a set with new cards because the new cards are what's supposed to sell the the packs. So, could be expected, but maybe it's just too egregious this time. Like, maybe they could have just thrown you a one dock side or something. But, yeah, just having something called Commander Legends and, like, have it be missing, like, key Commander reprints, I think, just rubs people the wrong way. Yeah, and and the timing I think was unfortunate that it would like the releases are so close together that it was like, hey, release day for Commander Legends. And then like two days later, it's like, hey, spoiler season. There's a dock side that you didn't just open at your pre-release because it's in Double Masters. Ah, give us 400 bucks for a booster pack. So the timing, I think, was unfortunate. And I think I think you're you're both completely right they probably shouldn't have called it commander legends i think that sets the expectation that it's going to be like the first commander legends and it's going to have good reprints in it like the first commander legends if i look at this set as adventures in the forgotten realms too and it's like uh, like that set but more for commander i really like this set. i think as a DD crossover mtg set designed to put new cards into commander i think they kind of nailed it i'm not a huge DD nerd or anything but from what i've heard from people the flavor is good it's got cool cards so from that perspective it's really good but when i think of it as a follow-up to the original commander legends maybe the best commander set they've ever made um then that's where it starts to get a little bit disappointing when you just look at the two sets and you're like oh my god like where's all the like high-end cards and the magic references so i think it's it's an expectation thing and i think it's really on wizards for Uh, for naming it how they did like that set the expectation that hey this is the sequel to commander legends even though really this is the commandery sequel to adventures in the forgotten realm so if i look at it from that perspective i like it but when i look at it as commander legends 2 then i'm kind of like oh yeah i can see why why everyone's so upset about this were there any good reprints in commander legends commander legends yeah had vampiric tutor scroll rack mana drain had like several hundred dollar mythics in it before they were reprinted so there were some better reprints at least more expensive reprints than in the second one and the the cards that were new were very nice the new cards are staples which is why we look back fondly and i was wondering if that was kind of painting our 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 look back but yeah i guess vampiric tutor mana drain those are some solid reprints that we didn't get this time around although yeah. i will say i'm glad we didn't get more jeweled lotuses or hull breachers like the first commander legends i know we remember it fondly now but that's i was actually kind of busted like it, some of those cards i still think were like probably too good and not healthy long term but uh anyway 
we we got more we got more magic sets spoiler season never ends although we did just now get news that they're delaying the warhammer decks until october now uh, apparently some sort of shipping supply whatever issues so uh, those are supposed to come out in august so i think we actually don't have spoilers now until the end of august as we go towards standard rotation the beginning of september but we're getting a new alchemy set. Uh, we have also entered Alchemy Horizons, Battlefront Baldur's Gate Adventures in the Forgotten Realms, Commander Legends 2 spoiler season. Uh, Richard, what uh, what are we getting in this set? Uh, a lot of cards. Uh, so basically, <laughs> Wizards decided to just like spring this spoiler season in the middle of like double masters because like, hey, why not? Uh, but this is bringing Baldur's Gate to Magic Arena. Uh, so a lot of the cards came over, uh, but they made some key changes because um, it's it's meant to be played in 60-card uh, formats. And one of which is the background cards. Um, so if you remember, there's a background mechanic where you have a commander, you choose a background. That background is a legendary enchantment, and you can basically add colors to your commander. They decided to do away with that and introduce the specialized mechanic. And the specialized mechanic uh, allows you to have a, it allows you to basically transform your commander. So every background commander from uh, Baldur's Gate is now a specialized card, and you can transform it. And when you transform it, it transforms into a different color pair. So it has five different backsides, uh, and then they each have different abilities. And the intent is it's supposed to mimic background. And uh, we essentially have created a six-sided card. I know we've memed on double-faced cards and stuff, but we now have a six-sided card. And I'll give you one example, uh, which is Wilson, Bear, Comrade, two mana, two, two, Reese, Trample, Ward, two, Specialize, four. Uh, so the Gruel version is double strike, Reach Trample, pay three, exile Wilson from your graveyard, target creature you control perpetually gains double strike, activate this as a sorcery, that's uh, a two, three. The Golgari version is pay three, exile from your graveyard, target creature you control perpetually gains menace, it's a four, four. Uh, there's a mono green version, it's a five, five. Pay three, exile from your graveyard, target creature you control perpetually gains plus one, plus one, and gains reach, trample, and war two. The Civic one is a 3-3, three, 3-mana, three, three Exile, Wilson, a target creature you control perpetually gains. This creature can't be block, uh, blocked. Uh, and then we have uh, the Selesnia one, a 3-4. Its ability is target creature you control perpetually gains lifelink. Now, I've been, I've been uploading all these cards to the website, so the website actually <laughs> supports this. <laughs> <laughs> There's like 30 background commanders times six sides, right? Like they, they created all these new cards for Alchemy um, Boulder's Gate. And I'm a little I'm a little angry that they put so many resources into like this format that like no one will play. And <laughs> this yeah. like like six times 30 is 180. That's a full magic set just based on these like background cards. Like, I don't know why they had to make a new mechanic for specialize and all of that and like what they're thinking, but they spent a lot of time on the set. Uh, yeah, they, they definitely did. And I think that is one of the pieces of criticism that I've heard. And I think I mostly agree with is even though I'm fine with Wizards supporting a ton of different formats, because everyone loves playing magic a different way. And I like there to be as many options as possible. At the same time, 
there is a opportunity cost. Like the people who are designing and making and programming six-sided cards for Alchemy Horizons are presumably not working on, you know, uh, Pioneer Masters, let's say, for example, or whatever. So there is a bit of a cost here. So I'm not like anti-alchemy existing, but uh, this set is just so, it's so weird to me. I really, I really don't get it. And I don't know. Uh, it's, I don't know. I'm not an alchemy player. I think it's just a, a little bit too much. And some of the cards, I get why they had to change. Like maybe they didn't want to try to program backgrounds into arena or something. And I can be kind of forgiving of that. Like I, especially as a moto player where we don't even like get some of the cards these days, if they're too hard to program, they're just like, ah, oh, forget about it. So I can appreciate that they <laughs> are trying to at least get them on the client at the same time. Like some of the changes, it feels like they just change for the sake of changing like, uh, Tasha or the gates. It was really jarring to me to see like the gates get all new abilities. It was just like, why? Like, why? Why would you not just put as much of the the real cards or the paper cards on there as possible? Like, why change change things for no reason? Like, unnecessarily change them. So, I don't know. What do you think about all this, Grim? <laughs> I actually think. Uh, okay, this is gonna be kind of blasting, but it looks kind of fun. I kind of want to try it. <laughs> like, limited I, I, I might. It seems like it'll be interesting. Uh, I think like the limited format right. is just gonna be wild. I think it's kind of blown out of proportion, <laughs> to be honest with you. I, I think this isn't that bad. Like, it, it's just a format you don't like. But I, maybe it's my comfort in digital cards, right? Like, how is this any different than if I were to play Unstable Portal and generate a random card, right, in Hearthstone? So, like, and I get that. And that's probably where therein lies the problem, right? That people don't want their Hearthstone, right? And on top of that, like... The idea of what digital cards are doing, it, like it's, it's only complicated because what Magic originally was. So I don't think like Alchemy, like all this stuff that's coming out, is really that problematic. Uh, it's just a different way to play the game. It looks fun, like it genuinely looks fun. These six sided cards, like I would love to try these. So. Yeah, but I mean, I've always been an advocate for digital magic, right? And like digital and like magic actually doing things that they couldn't do in paper. And this is exactly that. I mean, I think so, if alchemy didn't I, exist, this would be a great attempt. But I think what's what's getting to me is like alchemy is flopped. Like we know nobody plays it. Like the the numbers are very bad yeah, on I mean, it. Yeah. And that they spent the time doing this rather than you know, fixing whatever bugs there are in Rena, uh, you know, spectator mode, making Pioneer, like anything you could have done with your limited resources. But instead, they chose to do this. And uh, I, I even forgot the most funny thing. So so Wilson has Reach and Trample and is a 3-3. But the, the Civic side has Wilson can't be blocked. So you have an unblockable Trample Bear. And... <laughs> You're just like, what is relevant? Going, what is going relevant. on here, right? Like, <laughs> but yeah, what if what if someone has I don't know? Oh, what's the card that lets you block unblockable things? Does that exist yet? <laughs> uh, <laughs> it could. Yeah, I mean, <sighs> is this? But like, okay, yeah, sure. Pioneer, I would love to see on Arena more than anything else. But I also want. I don't. I like. I mean, I still want to feel like there's a digital game I'm playing, right? So I, I, I don't... I think if, like, Alchemy didn't, like, just completely, like, nuke itself in numbers, yeah, like, this would have been a completely fine thing. They need to reboot it. They need to kill it. 
you know how like Frontier died and came back as Pioneer? Like you got to like kill Alchemy yeah. and then call it something else and like try it again <laughs> with like a different plan because like nobody's playing it and the name is like kind of tainted at this point, right? Like if your most hardcore players are not playing it, and these are probably the players that spend the most money on your platform as well, right? Like I, I think we have a problem. And, like, there was this one person that emailed us and said, like, why does Goldfish hate alchemy? Like, why don't you have any alchemy decks? And then I tell them, like, we actually support alchemy 100%. Everything is in the deck editor. You can do whatever you want. It's just nobody is creating alchemy decks, right? I don't know where these alchemy players are, but they're not coming to our website. So we're not doing anything, like, against alchemy. It's just not that popular, right? And... I don't know, take it up with Watsi, right? Like, I, I can't, like, we, we support all the cards. Like, we, we have no actual bias against the format on the website, but it's just not that popular. Yeah, for, for a little context, after after that came up, I actually looked, and if you go to uh, the advanced deck search, you can see user decks uh, that people have submitted. And in the past two weeks, and this was as of a couple days ago when I looked at it, there were, like, 5,000 commander decks submitted, 3,000 modern decks, 28 alchemy decks 28 over the last two weeks which is like what two a day are being submitted so uh, i mean i know that's not representative of all arena players like you're probably pretty enfranchised if you're you know putting decks on the goldfish or whatever so it has the same issues as like the untapped data or whatever but from any public data we have alchemy just doesn't seem like it's popular and that's where i have an issue with it too like I, I, it's great that they're supporting a digital-only format. It's great that they have additional play options on Arena. But it seems like at some point, like, at what point do you just stop doing it? Because the amount of work you're putting into it is not lining up with the amount of play people are enjoying of the format or money you're getting out of it. Like, is this sustainable? Like, what happens if they release Alchemy Horizons and Alchemy is still Alchemy and no one plays it, which seems to be, or very few people play it? Like, are they going to keep designing these huge sets and tons of new cards specifically for a format that is just like the epitome of fringe? Like, it would be like, I don't even know, Penny Dreadful or something. Like, it's a great format. And I'm glad it exists. And I love that you love it. And that's awesome. And I feel the same way about Alchemy. Like, if Alchemy is your jam and you love it, that's spectacular. But there is like a finite amount of sets that can be printed and a finite amount of hours that programmers can work. So at what point does wizards think, well, this just isn't, this just isn't worth the cost at this point, if no one's going to play it. And I wonder if we're getting close to that point or if wizards will just keep, just keep plugging along in hopes that something changes, but I don't see how things can change without wizards changing. And wizards hasn't really shown the initiative or the ability or desire to, make the necessary changes to make the format like way cheaper and do some of the things that have been issues from the start. So I don't know. I'm definitely concerned about it. We'll see. We're going to be getting a huge set release and I'll probably draft it a little bit just to see what it's like. Cause a lot of the cards, would I want to play them in standard for the next two years? No, but would it be a fun novelty like Momir or like Hearthstone or something to see what the crazy cards do? Yeah, there's like some appeal to that just to to kind of check it out and do something different. So I'll probably do a couple of drafts. Also, speaking of funny things, my favorite part of the spoiler season, uh, we had a card spoiled that had the 
the flibble fip uh missing art from magic arena if you've ever seen the bug on arena where the card art's yeah. broken someone spoiled a card that uh that had that art and there's also a calum jin emperor a card that has so much text that if you go to the goldfish site and type it in you'll see it uh it actually cuts off the text like it literally does not fit on the text box so as you're reading through you get like most of the way through its ability and then it's just like boom cut off power and toughness and you don't actually know what what the rest of its ability is because it literally couldn't fit in the spoiler card (laughs) anyway that's that's alchemy any other thoughts about alchemy before we keep moving on all right so next up uh (laughs) we got some tournament news the winner of the tournament and i love this news as well richard what uh, what interesting tournament news (laughs) happened this week uh there was a brawl event and uh, <laughs> if you remember a while back, someone someone just showed up at a brawl event and then just won it uncontested because they're the only one there. We have a repeat champion. They've done it again. There the two-time. A, okay. Two-time brawl champion showed up. No one was there. Just won. How does this keep happening? How does he keep getting away with it? Who keeps running these brawl tournaments? <laughs> Honestly, I I concede out of respect. So like I I I just if I know that person's there, I would just not enter they, out of respect. They, they saw them and they're like, oh no 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 no, we can't can't everyone drop. We can't. Yeah. Play. There's no way we can win here. We gotta we gotta. I can't beat the two time. So I'm gonna yeah. at this point, I forever concede. <laughs> oh yeah, that's that's my favorite. It was so funny what it happened the first time, and then uh, it managed to do it again. I wonder if I wonder if uh, he just goes to events looking for like. <laughs> to pick up the free brawl win. Do you think that's why he goes to like Command Fest Frankfurt or whatever? Like, come on, no one sign up. No one sign How up. How does someone <laughs> else do I, I, see the same thing and like do the same thing? They're like, oh, no one is here. Let me just sign up. And out of some- respect. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, they respect the two time. But that's what I'm saying. <laughs> and you get your play mat or whatever, whatever the prizes are, some tickets or something. Like, it's, it seems kind of profitable, actually. This this might be uh, like the I, rarest like trophy. You know how people have like their top eight? <laughs> F and M or game day or something. This guy's like yeah. brawl champion. Like literally, no one else can have this. Like it's actually the rarest. I mean, we know nobody else has it. They they won. You know, like, they nice, nice grand prix championships. You know, LSV. Do you are you a two time brawl champion? Let me see your play mats. I I honestly didn't know they still ran brawl events. I mean, I know it's super popular on Arena, Historic Brawl, but as far as paper events, I, I had no idea. I thought that it just kind of went away, but apparently it still exists, at least for a, for one person. Oh, All right, one other topic. This came up on the Reddit this week, and I think it's kind of an interesting thought experiment. And the question is essentially, uh, you need to design a card that only gains life. That's all it does. There's no other upsides to it. All it does is gain a certain amount of life. What mana cost and amount of life would that card need to have to actually be constructed playable? Like two mana gain this much life, one mana gain this much life. What do you think? Like for just pure life gain to see play, what do those numbers actually have to look like? What format are we what, talking what's about? The, uh, what's the <laughs> so, onslaught card, the cycling one? I forgot, like Renewed Faith or something? That's like it's cycle. So Renewed Faith cycles to gain four or you can cast it to gain six maybe it cycles to gain two or you cast it to gain six it's some some amount like that yeah i there's I, but that also cycles so that would be an additional right. ability I oh think, you're like, right as far as like <laughs> pure life gain feed the clan i think is what gain 
but that has ferocious. ferocious and then ferocious you would gain 10 for two instead of five uh heroes reunion has gained seven for two uh in Celestia colors weather the storm or whatever oh weather but that has storm though i've actually that's that's that one has seen play at various times yeah but yeah that can that can be gained a ridiculous amount of life in the graveyard scenario not to the moon or like the one i've got if it counts oh, not your graveyard or your opponent's graveyard or something but like number of yeah. creatures in there that's another one that yep has seen play has seen play um you know i i think it would have to be like a okay so like feed the clans um but with with like ferocious always i think like so two mana gain like 10? 10 life yeah just straight up i think I like think... well it depends what format Right, like in modern uh, or, or something like that, or maybe like in Pioneer, I think it probably have to be a little bit more than just ten life. Actually, like that, it does <laughs> I, nothing uh, normally. Like so, like, yeah, all these nothing. life gain cards only win against burn, and even against burn, it's not guaranteed. Like they can skull crack you and stuff, right? <laughs> like yeah, you know, so it has to be instant speed, and it's just like a it's like an I win the game card against burn maybe but everyone else will still kill you through like if like you know you're playing against an is it deck you can gain 10 life if you want they'll still kill you like straight through it right so it doesn't really help anywhere else I, I don't think and then you might right, as well just play cool well, you Firewalker play it you play it with right? you would have to play it with uh, uh lich's mastery <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess you could combo with or stuff that's like uh, what, like tainted remedy effects or something. Other stuff that yeah, triggers yeah. off the amount of life that gets gained or lost. What if there was like one mana gain twenty? Discounting combos. I know you could play that with something and try to combo kill, but discounting those combos, one mana gain twenty. Is that something someone would just jam in a modern deck or a standard deck? Would that be worth it to d- essentially double your life total right off the bat for one mana? Or is that still like? card disadvantage they're gonna kill you eventually unplayed i think one life to gain 20 is actually playable like that. that 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 would be playable that's like but a but only two, right yeah the, essentially that's a fog right with maybe some like spillover and like benefits but, but like no outside fog of that in modern. <laughs> yeah yeah that's, that's true but that but the the fact is that you can use this to combo so, like, the fact that I could pay one mana to deal 20 to your dome with Tainted Remedy is worth it. Yeah, I like, mean, I think, obviously, if you can combo kill with it, then right. then it would be a staple in a combo in a combo but, deck. But would I jam but, in a normal deck? I'm, I'm actually not sure. I'm still on the fence if I would just run that for value in a deck without any synergies. I lean yeah, towards I, sideboard. I, I, I don't know if I put I, it in my main deck. Sideboard, yes. But I still, you run to Esper or something. Like, what do you, well, you run to a Krim deck. What do you care if I gain 20 life, Krim? Oh, yeah. I, I <laughs> don't care it? at all if you gain 20 life. Like, I mean, <laughs> I mean the, I, so, the thing is, I, so I think you, you have to combo. One mana gain 20. Like, yes, it's dead in some formats, but. Like, I think if you, like, cast that, snap cast or cast that, like, game is unwinnable for, like, a lot of fair decks, right? You, like, essentially just crush all fair decks, and it does nothing against combo decks, right? But a lot, there are a lot of, like, fair, not not fair decks, but decks that, like, kill you with damage, like, incrementally, right? So, I think you would play that, no? Definitely sideboard, definitely main deck. One mana gain 20? It's like double your life total. One yeah, mana gain okay. twenty. But you you would sideboard I mean, it out sometimes, right? But I think it's good most of the time, no? Okay, I guess I'm like looking at the meta. I I think okay, I think I 
I think I would play it main. Like, even if I get hit in by standard, Death Shadows, I would, I would still cast main. that, right? That's like two, three turns, right? Like, oh, oh wait, can it be target player against 20 oh, life? Oh, that'd be hilarious. <laughs> oh, then it, would, then it would be great against Death Shadow. Then it's, a, <laughs> then it's a staple. Yeah, okay, so if it was one mana game 20, what about one mana game 15? No, is that the cutting point? I think we- Feed the Clan is kind of playable if you just remove Ferocious. No, two mana gain ten. Two mana gain ten. Not, not main deck, but sideboard. I wouldn't main deck, but so I'd play it. I would play it in the sideboard in some metas. Like it is good against burn, especially as an instant, so you can try to play around the hate cards. Yeah, I don't think I mean, I'd main deck it at two mana gain ten, but sideboard it would have sideboard potential. I think it's nice to make a burn player sweat. <laughs> But only in the other direction, more so they have to sweat that you, you might gain 20 lives that they'll leave up mana all the time. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. Like, yeah, mm. like they, it would force them to hold up mana all the time. Which has value, making your opponent yeah, play yeah. inefficiently. So even if you're not getting the value out of the life gain, you're still getting some value out of it. Like how people, you show them a mana tithe and then they leave one mana up the rest of the game and you're like, oh, okay, like you're not getting mana tithe, but I'll, I'll still take that. Like this is still working for me. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, okay, so somewhere in that range. Two, you, so you got to be gaining at least 10 life for one or two mana, uh, depending on if you it want to be a main deck or sideboard card. I think it has to be more in the year 2022. It, like, at least 12. It's like 12 at to, like, 12. 15. Yeah. For two? I can see that. Uh, for somewhere. I, I, instant speed, yeah, like two mana. I wonder if Wizards would ever print a card like that. Like, would you ever or play this? Because or just of play, the combos. Let's say you had Core Firewalker or this against Burn. What would you play? Well, the thing your skull crack and stomp nowadays make it so that core firewalker. We can stomp, not be prevented. Yeah, stomp, damage can't can, be prevented. So you can like stomp someone's face and then bolt their firewalker or whatever. Yeah. Oh. Um, or, no, well, you, you have to hope that they block. I believe. Yeah. Right? So if you block, get skull crack. Oh, oh you, right, you right, lose. right, right, right. But I don't yeah, know what stomp yeah, yeah. actually says on. So it. stomp does the same. Stomp does the yeah. same thing. You're right. You can't target it because of protection. You're okay. right, Grim. Yeah. Uh, I mean. I don't know. I guess it depends on your mana situation too. Double white's a cost to Firewalker in some decks. I don't know. It's probably still close. Like the ability of being a creature is huge. Like that's that's the difference. Well, you can come block. You can damage, potentially right? stonewall something. Yeah, like just... yeah. So you're you're gaining more life or potentially causing your opponent to lose life. Maybe I'd still just play Firewalker. If it was one mana gain twenty though, I think that'd be Firewalker. Two mana gain twelve. Eh, then it's on. If you're, then it's on the fence. If, if it's one man, obviously, I think that's way more playable because it's way more maintainable, right? Just leave up one mana. Well, speaking of questions, I bet we have some interesting ones from the audience. And we're getting near the end of the cast, so I think it's time for some fish mail. Richard, take it away. All right. If you have questions, send them to at mtglefish with the hashtag mtglefishmail, and we'll get to your questions on air. Uh, so first question, uh, outgoing otaku. I personally found in the last few years with MDFCs and channel lands, they've led to more flexibility than ever and overall made the game better by reducing variance, making it more interactive. Do folks agree or too much power creep? I, I think they're great. They were an amazing addition to the game, uh, allowing they're they've now just become staples, like, right? Like in, in most decks, like just having the opportunity to turn a dry disruption into a land is big. So I I have loved them. They have been a wonderful addition to the game. I like them, but I also worry a little bit that we'll go too far and take away too much variance. I feel like a lot of the changes, design and rules changes over the last few years have been designed to reduce variance. And 
maybe we haven't gotten there yet. And in some formats, maybe we have a little bit like in older formats. But I do think there's a point where you can take away too much variance and the game's going to become less fun. So I love MDFCs. I love the channel lands. I don't think they're a negative at this point, And I think they're a positive. But I do. I am a little concerned that if eventually all of your lands are actually spells, then there's like no variance. And I don't know if I'd like that version of magic that much. Is isn't that how magic players try to see magic compared to other card games though that there's no variance so why not just make it that way then <sighs> i so i like mbfcs I, I don't like channel lands because the abilities on the channel lands are like super efficiently costed and i'm looking at poseju like at least mdfcs you're paying more mana for the for the the flexibility with channel lands you're paying absolutely nothing and i think it's ridiculous that you know, like, let's say Blue Living End or whatever, like Living End in Modern, like has access to a Boseju at like no cost. So if you rest and peace them, it's like no issue to them, right? Because they can just channel their Boseju and then kill you. And I think that's <laughs> ridiculous, right? They, they should not get like a free roll on interaction like that. Like they, there should be a cost to adding that interaction to their deck, right? And either this channel ability should cost a lot more or there should be some downside, like the land comes into play tapped or something, right? But Currently, it's just like the best of both worlds, which is, I don't know, seems maybe I'm just salty that I can't rest in peace or ley line these graveyard <laughs> decks anymore because of a sage you. Oh. But like that seems so wrong, right? Like that they get free, you know, get out of jail cards like that. Welcome to my life as a Blood Moon player, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's so hard to stick a Blood Moon, my beloved mono red prison. Like, how do you do it these days? There's just so many ways to blow it up. So I think I'd agree that maybe like. Vesage might be too efficiently costed for what it does, but I don't think that means that like channel on lands as a mechanic is necessarily bad. Like I, I, I like I like the idea of it, even if maybe they maybe they went a little bit too hard with the actual power level of it. All right. Holy Schmidt 666. What is your thought on theoretically having rock, paper, scissors minigame before a match to determine who goes first? Also, what is your opinion on a free mulligan when you're on the draw to balance the disadvantage? Oh, I mean, I think you can decide who goes first in any random way, right? Is there is there a rule that I don't play enough paper? Is there a rule that keeps you from rock, paper, scissoring to see who goes first if if that's what you agree with your opponent? I think some you know, like some people would argue that that's like not random okay i'm pretty sure i've done so, that sanctioned events should i have called a judge <laughs> <We're not allowed. laughs> yeah. should i have gotten sweaty and gotten a free win from that like should, are you not really oh they agreed to, to it <laughs> like what, what, what I mean, stops us from playing like a game of legacy to determine who goes first for our standard game like because that one is clearly not I mean, random technically I, like i i don't think anything does right but the issue is that it still cuts in your time right <laughs> in rounds so if you want to, I guess you could try that. Krim, you're a judge. You should know these. Can I play? Yeah, but I, but, but I lapsed. <laughs> I, I lapsed it for a reason. I, I've forgotten all of that. Like, I know that you just oh. can't talk about monetary gains and all of that stuff. Okay, I, I looked up the actual rule in the actual rule book. In the first game of a match, the players may use any mutually agreeable method. To choose who goes first. Yo. So it doesn't even say it's got to be random. You can have like so a boxing says, match. <laughs> you can have a boxing match. <laughs> technically. Technically you can have like, a yo, boxing let's match. Go to, let's go out back here. We got something to settle. <laughs> yeah. Play or draw. Yeah, have a boxing as, match. <laughs> as long as your opponent agrees. It sounds like that actually. What if we play <laughs> a game of Hearthstone to determine. Or maybe a game of alchemy. You know. We, 
<laughs> I don't think Wizards would like that if you played a Hearthstone game to uh, saw who went first in your Magic tournament, but <laughs> that would be pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> What was the second part of the question? So I don't remember. On the draw, what if you get a free mulligan to try to balance? Oh. I feel like mulligans are already too easy in the world of uh, London mulligans. So I would say no. I feel like it's probably abusable, but I don't know. I, I agree with trying to help the second player have an advantage because the stats we've seen suggest that you're pretty disadvantaged going, uh, going second, but... I don't know about mulligans being a way to do it. Yeah, I don't think mulligans like fix uh, fix anything other than just now. It's like I think the combo player wants to go second, right? If you let them have yeah, like that's, a billion, that's what I was like thinking. mulligans. Do you, wouldn't you in one v one? Wouldn't you get the extra mana? I think I would still go first no matter what, right? No, depends on the deck, right? Because like <laughs> if, if I can like guarantee stack my hand to essentially be a, a combo like turn. On like turn one or turn two, I'd I'd, I'd keep it. Huh. I think if you were like belchering or something, I would I would think that playing last would be worth it. I mean, I think if you got fringe. a free like, like, like serum powder you or something, card. you get nine cards. <laughs> uh, but then uh, the problem is you run into the same thing with Monarch that we talked about in Commander a few a little while ago on the podcast. That like, aren't you just discarding the hand size yeah, well, or really incentivizing people to play one drops? Okay, yeah, formats. yeah, yeah. I don't know. Maybe a scry. It all comes back to scry. Scry is like the default. Whenever we talk about this stuff, I'll let him scry a couple times. That'll <laughs> that won't break anything, but it'll help him a little bit. So maybe maybe you mulligan him and then scry one or something. something. <laughs> uh, Q dig. I bought a couple boxes of Modern Horizons one with the best intentions to number and sleeve the packs to create a redraftable kit. Then then you know adulting. The boxes are still sealed. Thoughts on if slash one to sell. Cool. So Modern Horizons booster boxes look like they're around two hundred dollars uh, on eBay at the moment. I mean, oh wait, that's Modern Horizons two. What's the original Modern Horizons? Okay, almost three hundred dollars, two eighty five, uh, two fifty to to three hundred. I mean, I'd probably sell it now, honestly. Like, could they keep? ticking up probably like boxes don't really get reprinted so as people open them they just get more and more scarce so in theory they should slowly keep going up in value but i would probably if i can get five six hundred dollars out of them and invest that in something else uh, you get some cards that you do need or whatever i'd be fine with that that already seems like a pretty good profit all right. Uh, that's all the time we have for questions this week. Thank you to everyone who sent them in. If you have future questions, send them to at Goldfish with the hashtag MTGFishMail, and we'll get to your questions on air. And I believe that brings us to the end of episode 387 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. So, Richard Krim, thanks for hanging out. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks to Card Conduit for supporting the show. And we'll be back next week to talk about whatever goes on in the world of magic. So, until then, have a wonderful week, everyone. And this is the crew signing out.